Thank you, Casey. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of frequent flyer miles, I think. So in your portal, portal, you should be able to download handouts and you have access to all of the PowerPoint slides. So please don't be like most of my graduate students from the past, right? Who feel like you need to write everything down. You don't. Just There'll be probably six major, major points that we talk about and I'll say, please write these things down. Or if I say, if I, my cue word, as you may remember, is if I say, let me say that again, that's always the cue that you'll see it again on the exam. So that just raised your anxiety level a little bit, right? So your credentialing holds on this, being able to know if I say, let me say that again, to be able to memorize that. So, here we are. Now, I'm gonna to try to do something that I don't normally do. We're gonna put this first slide up, and then I'm gonna go like this every time I advance the slide, and he's actually gonna advance the slide there. Some of you are familiar with the term, the way of the warrior, and this is coined the way of the warrior shepherd. The whole purpose of this session is your emotional, mental, spiritual health, because God has called you to ministry. And I would like to begin our first session. This is our, I'm just gonna assume these are gonna pop up with me as I go along to the next slide. Uh, the founder of Emerge Ministry started out with a very difficult chapter in his own life. Dr. Dobbins was an Assemblies of God pastor, was called to the ministry at age 16 years old, got married the next year, his wife had their first child, and she immediately went into a very severe postpartum psychosis. She believed somehow that she had committed the unpardonable sin and on three occasions tried to take her life. Now remember, they're teenagers, they're newly married, they have a new baby, and his wife is suicidal. They went to their medical profession for help and they said, you must get rid of your crazy religion. And that was not good because he was a pastor. And then they went to their pastoral friends for help. And they said, you just need a better devotional life. Because if you have a good devotional life and pray more and read your Bible, you will never have mental health issues. Well, times have changed. We recognize now that believers filled with the Holy Spirit, love the Lord, great devotional life, can still have emotional stress and depression and anxiety, and then they're out of that very painful, next slide, out of that very painful experience, Emerge was born. And out of that painful experience, over 200,000 pastors and ministers and missionaries have been served at Emerge, and we want to be able to be accessible to serve you. That's the whole point. Now again, all of the slides that we'll do today, we're gonna to go very rapidly. There will be no way in the world that you can keep up unless you have a real high tolerance for writer's cramp to be able to keep up. But this is all downloadable on your portable, and you are welcome to use these slides for your personal edification, your personal life and personal ministry, and I just want to make that 
available to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, well, I'll just say that we already merged are really grateful for your trust and your care. Next slide. And you can find all kinds of free resources at emerge.org. We're here to serve you. This is what we do. This is why God has done it. Now, here we go. We're going to talk about the way of the warrior shepherd. What does that mean? That means that there's three parts to this. We're going to cover each part in about 15 minutes, hopefully leave a little bit of time at the end for some Q&A, and then I have to rush over to another session on basic counseling skills for pastors. But after that time, free the rest of the day, if any of you want to just have a conversation or a prayer or in any way, just you know, share whatever you feel like, I'll be available throughout the day and it would be a real pleasure and honor to serve you. I just want to say that when we talk about the warrior shepherd, we're talking about what about Jesus? What about the, the way that we know him? We know that the scripture says that he was tender enough so that a smoldering wick he would not snuff out. Next slide. A bruised reed he would not break off. And yet there was also the strength, the warrior part of Jesus. What else do we know about Jesus? That he was that warrior spirit, that he fought against injustice, people that were getting ripped off, people that were being taken advantage of, people like in your community that are the left out, left behind, the broke, the broken, the HIV positive, people that are struggling with their sexual identity, all of these people struggling with their life that Jesus reached out to them. He was a warrior. He was also a shepherd. And I want to contend to you today that God has called you exactly to the very same thing. And yet, that call upon your life comes from a lot of differing paths to the call. And you've come to this place at this moment, and we pray now, and I would like to pray over you, that in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would come into this place right now, in this moment that has been divinely appointed for these brothers and sisters that you have called, that you have gifted, you have anointed, you have placed in their various aspects of ministry by your divine purposes, and you work through people for your glory, and therefore it makes sense that we would present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto you. And Father, I pray that you will be pleased by the work that is done today. Give us attentive hearts, listening ears, and take every truth, I pray, in the name of Jesus, the long distance from the head to the heart. For the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Amen. Glory to God. Amen. So, how did you get to be where you are? There are a lot of different paths to the call. In fact, I would say that you all, everybody in this room right now, every one of us has a history, yes or yes. Now, you know I don't give you much choice with that. And let me say that again. Everybody has a history. We have a generational history. We have a family of origin history. We have our unique personality and temperament. 
we have the life experiences, choices we've made, the birth order that we've been in. We have uh, amongst us people with the whole range of life experiences, and yet you're here individually, and at some point, somebody came into your life. It could have been a Sunday school teacher, a camp director, a counselor, uh, a pastor, someone like you came into your life when you were younger and said, I see something in your life. And you said, yes, maybe kicking and struggling, but you at some point said, yes, Lord. Do you know that it's not possible to say, no, Lord? You think about that for a moment. It's possible to say no to the Lord, but if the Lord is the Lord and he is the Lord and you, the only answer that we really can say is what? Yes, Lord. So, next slide. We come from a history. Uh, history sometimes is good. Sometimes that history is bad. Sometimes that history has been ugly. The you messages of your childhood tend to become the I messages of your adulthood. And some of you have come on this path to being the warrior shepherd, sometimes from some very, very painful experiences and wounds in your own life. You, you messages that have been said to you by the big people in your life have become the I messages. Now that, again, that can be good or bad or ugly. You'll never be, you never can. I can't believe that God would use someone like, and that you message is translated into a I message, and we will tend to live according to what we say to ourselves about ourselves. Let me say that again. We will tend to live according to what we say to ourselves about ourselves. Do you remember the old adage that says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That is a lie from the pit because words are powerful. In fact, the scripture says that the tongue has in its power both life and death. The words that you speak, the words that were spoken over you can be life-giving. They can be energizing. Like this morning, Pastor John is saying, look, call upon the Lord, trust in the Lord, expect the Lord. Those are things, but someone said that to you at some point, and you said, yes, Lord. But I can tell you that I know because of 47,000 hours and 37 years as a mental health professional, I know that there are many who come to the ministry very, very wounded. Very wounded. Now, with that in mind, this is, these are just some of the I messages that we can say to ourselves. You get the, the whole idea, right? That we have learned to say certain things to ourselves about ourselves, and those Things that we have learned to say, learned, learned, learned to say are things that can either enhance our life or they can inhibit God's call from us being everything that God wants us to be. And I will say that shame 
If you've experienced shame, shame affects everything about your life. Shame can affect your thinking, your emotions, your body, your soul, your spirit, your ability to trust. Shame can do great damage. Shame can harm your self-concept. And I've seen people that have gotten in horrible relationships, they've done horrible behaviors, just because they have learned to believe that they're not worth it, they're not worthy, they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not tall enough, small enough, wide enough, thin enough, they're not enough, and they've learned to say that about themselves. My challenge to you in this first phase of the warrior shepherd is to challenge what you have learned to believe about yourself. Next slide. So I just want to remind you that we do not live according to the events of our past. We live according to the memory and the interpretation that we give to the events of our past and thank God through the power of the Holy Spirit that can be edited. The Holy Spirit can break through into our pain and help us to see things differently, have a new viewpoint, because we don't live according to the event, we live according to the interpretation and the memory of that event, and that, thank God, can change. Now, this is just the first phase of the warrior shepherd call. And I want to teach you this little tool called praying through. This is, if you get into the work that I do, where you do trauma-focused therapy, you do people that are dealing with hurts and wounds, and you uncover in the pain and the pus of, of, the, of, of just that rough stuff of life comes out, there is within God's word a way of crying out to God. And step one is to be able to, go ahead and turn the slide, take the lid off of that pain, get alone sometime or with a trusted friend, and you take the lid off and you do as David did with the imprecatory psalms. You take off the lid and you pour out your heart to God openly, Honestly, you may say things that you wouldn't ordinarily say. You may experience emotions that you don't ordinarily experience. But I can tell you, God can take it. I mean, David, after all, said, God, just in case you missed it, I'm being persecuted. I'm hiding in a, a cave. And these guys over here that don't serve you, they're being blessed. They're getting ahead. Will you just break their teeth out and dash their babies on the rocks? Well, that's pretty gut-level honest. Would you agree with that? I'm glad God does not answer all of our crazy prayers. But I can tell you this, that God never condemned him for his honesty. And may I say that you can talk to God about anything, and he's not going to reject you, ever. Stage two is you express those feelings, you pour them out, you complain. There's the whole series of psalms called the, you ready for a big word? This will not be on the exam. They're called the imprecatory psalms, the imprectations, the psalms of complaint, where David, gut level, cries out to God. He just expresses those emotions until he is spent. But then stage three is, after you have done this, and by the way, look at me, you may have to do this several times. This is called good spirit-empowered trauma therapy. You may cry out to God, pour it out, but then trust the living God, the living Holy Spirit, 
to come into that place, into that moment, and help you begin to see things differently. Joseph had to do that. He was given a raw deal. He was falsely accused. He was imprisoned. He was sold into slavery. He spent time in the dungeon. He had every reason in life to be bitter about life. And yet God worked in him. And when the brothers came at the end of the book of Genesis and they thought, now we're really going to get it, Joseph said, guys, listen, I have prayed this through. I have worked this through. And God has helped me to see the very same thing. What you meant for evil, I can see now that God meant for good, for the saving of many lives. The event did not change, but we don't live according to the event. We live according to the memory and the interpretation of the event, and that, in the power of the Holy Spirit, can change. All right, with that in mind, number four is make sure that you praise God for what he does in your life. Now, next slide. Just just recognize that many of the things that you have believed about yourself as true, if you examine them, and you examine them under the rubric and under the glory and under the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word, be, I say to you in ministry, I plead with you, be men and women of the word, be men and women of the spirit, be expectant, Uh, as Pastor John said this morning, be expectant, expect that God is going to break through, of course he wants to break through, he's looking forward to breaking through, he desires to break through, he wants to bring healing in your life, listen, it's not just for you, your healing is for you, but your healing is for everybody with whom your life will interact in ministry, That's why God brings healing to our life so that we can be vessels in which he works through for his glory, his power to work through vessels like us. And he's saying to you, look, take advantage of praying these things through for the glory of God. Sounds like I'm preaching, but I just want to teach this to you this morning. So you understand that that when you look at something here, I say, what do you see? you realize that you can look at something and begin to see it differently. Some of you are looking at this and you say, well, I see the old lady, of course. Or I see the young lady. Wait a second. Are we seeing both of them? How many can see both? But I'll tell you what you cannot do. You cannot see both at the same time. You will focus on one or you will focus on the other. That's the way it goes. Here's another one. Just recognize, look, if you look carefully here into the face of Jesus, you begin to see the whole story of redemption. Every part of it is there. And you can begin to see that the call upon your life is by the living Savior, the living Lord, the living sanctifier, the living coming king. This is it, and I tell you in the next one that it's important that you learn to get past your past so that you can be available and ready to do the work of the kingdom. Don't let people hold you down, male or female. Don't let them hold you back. If God has placed an anointing on your life, it is God that you answer to. 
It is Jesus Christ who is the, your Lord. So here's my point. My question to you is, who was your champion? Who's the person that reached into your life? Who's the person that looked into your eyes? Who's the person that said, I see something in you. I see the hand of God upon your life. Who believed in you? Who were, where were you when you answered the call and you were answering the call to be a warrior shepherd? Now, I can tell you that dealing with your past is a hard thing because we have an enemy who is always reminding us of our failures. He's always reminding us of our past. Next slide. You know that the enemy does know your name, but he always wants to call you by your sin. And Jesus, of course, knows your sin. He's got the whole resume. It's not fluffed up. It is what it is. And Jesus knows it all. And while we're yet sinners while we're yet sinners, while we're still his enemies, Christ died for us. Beloved, embrace the love of God in Christ for you. The enemy knows your name. He calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. And what is that name? He says that you are to remember that you are lovable, that you are valuable, that you are forgivable, that you are changeable, that you are never alone. All right, and that's the call. That's number one. So what about your call? How did you get to be here? Remember, generational family of origin, your personality, your temperament, the choices that you've made, the people that came into your life, the books that you've read, everything that has been you has become you, and you are here, and you are standing before the living God, and you're saying, Lord, use me for your kingdom. Isn't that like amazing? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. So, I'm encouraging you to tell someone your story. In the next week, your homework assignment is tell someone your story. Someone that knows how to listen someone that can put their own autobiography on hold, someone that can get into your world, and you share with them your story, the call, the cost, the facing your own fears, getting past your past. And remember that song that says, I will change your name. And that's what God's always doing. He's changing your name because he's changing your position, and he's changing your mind. That's why we have a renewal of our minds, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now, I was going to give you a break, but listen, I just need to move on. I want to get into part two. Can we do that? If I trusted you to just take a deep breath, could you just not run out of the room? Would that be okay? Can you just take a deep breath? <sighs> Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the call. Yes? Can someone just say hallelujah? Thank you for the call. That God would choose someone like us to do his work. All right, number two, you recognize that your virtue is going to be tested. It's not like, okay, I'm called, and I've gone through training, and I've got my credentials, and now what? <laughs> You're going to be tested, because the way of the warrior shepherd is one of testing. You're going to be tested when opportunity meets temptation, 
And above all else, the scripture says, above all else, above all else. By the way, is there anything above all else? Think about that for a moment. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your own heart, for out of it flows everything that is important in life. Now, what's missing there that's understood? There's a, a, I remember years ago when I actually taught school for a little while, they took a risk, and I went into the classroom and they gave me this book and they said, you have to teach students how to diagram a sentence. I had never diagrammed a sentence. I did not know the difference between a subject and a, pre a, a predicate and, a, and an appositive and, and an object of a preposition. I did not know any of that stuff. So that first year, I kept one day ahead of the students. I taught them how to diagram sentence. I actually learned to like it. But when you diagram a sentence like this, there is a word that is called the understood you. It's usually, some of you are shaking your head, you're thinking, duh, I learned that in grade school. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't learn it. Here I am, a college graduate, a military veteran, and I'm teaching school. I have no idea how to diagram a sentence. But I found out that the understood you, above all else, you, guard, you is the subject, guard is the action verb. Are you impressed? and heart is the direct object. You guard heart. Whose heart? Your heart. You, beloved, listen, look at me, please, in my eyeballs. You, called to ministry, are responsible to guard your own heart. Can you hear me say that? Look at me. Let me say it again. You are responsible to guard your own heart. For out of it flows everything that's important in life. Your inner life has a way of coming to your outer life. You don't need a psychologist to tell you that. So I will tell you that mistakes that ministers make, there's a lot of them. I've worked with these over the years. You don't take a Sabbath. You don't rest enough. There's no holy leisure. There's no holy sex. There's no holy fishing. There's no holy hunting. There's no holy sleeping. There's whole, no holy napping. There's no holiness. In other words, we are so busy doing the work of the Lord that we neglect our own mental spiritual health. That's the purpose of this session. We neglect trusting a friend. And the next thing here is we talked about some recent Barna research that says, look, 68%, this is ministers, ministers. Every two weeks, Barna would take a survey of ministers and say, look, where are you at? While 68% were saying, overwhelmed regularly, 31% emotional well-being struggle, struggle with relationships, panicked, exhausted, sad. And I thought this was interesting. 32% said, confident in my call. That was down from 66%. You're going to face toughness, hardness. You're going to face the roughness of ministry. Listen, if you're new in ministry and you thought that somehow this is going to be easy street, I'm sorry to tell you it's not at all. So you must have a good defense, but the best defense is going to be a good offense. So the scriptures say, look, if you think that you're standing, be careful, be careful, be careful. Can I, can I ball you for a second? <laughs> 
nothing fails like success if you're not careful. Nothing fails like success. God says, I just read it this morning, early this morning in Deuteronomy, he says, you're getting ready to go over to this land. You're going to conquer these people. All these things are going to be yours. It's going to be your land. It's going to be a land of milk and honey and blessing. Then he says, be careful lest when you have these wins in your life, be careful that you don't forget me. I want to say to you, because God is blessing you, you may grow, you may have exponential growth, you may have great success in ministry, and I just want to say, please be careful, don't fall, don't fall. The enemy sometimes will work really hard in your discouragement, but he will also work hard in your success. Now that's worth writing down. So, next slide. So you must learn to refine your pace and by that I mean that there can be all kinds of attachments. This is the next slide. The next slide talks about all kinds of attachments that can be drawing you away. Now I only say this is the chart, it's gonna be a multi-level chart. Let's go to this one. So when you are tempted, it usually starts out this way, as an urge or a thought or a fantasy or an idea, and that's when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit most loudly. That's when, like Paul said to Timothy, run, flee, get out of there, go, 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 what are you doing? Avert your eyes, turn it off, walk away. At that point, you have not sinned. But if you're not smart, and you're on your way to stupidville, let me just be, that's a very theological term, then what's going to happen is you will test, well, it's not so bad, it's not such a big deal, haven't had sex with, you know, for a long time, and blah, 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 and the Holy Spirit says, no, next slide, and you begin to experiment, and then it becomes from experimental to regular, and then from regular to habitual, and then at some point, you cross over, and what you thought you had most control over begins to dominate your life. May I just say it again, that you're in the call, of the warrior shepherd. God's call is upon your life. Why has he called you? Because he wanted to. He has the right to call whoever he wants. And he's called you to be leaders in his church, his beloved bride. He's called you to be responsible for your own heart. He's called you to be responsible to one another, but he's called you to be responsible for yourself. And then out of that, sometimes we can actually move into addictive disorders. You kind of get that idea, right? So, next slide. The enemy has already formed, may I just say you're sitting here today, but the enemy has already formed a strategic plan to bring you down. He knows your strengths, your weaknesses, the opportunities, the threats. He's already done a SWOT analysis on your life, and as Dallas Willard one time said, that sheep usually get lost just one bite at a time. One little compromise. The Holy Spirit says, no. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And the Holy Spirit says, no. Yeah, but it's not so, and the Holy Spirit says, no. And pretty soon, you know what we hear? That's what we hear. If you insist on going your own way, God will allow you to do that. But if you want to sow your wild oats, don't be praying for the crop failure. 
The enemy will take you further than you intended to go, keep you longer than you intended to stay, will charge a, and, and, but he will always charge a price higher than you ever dreamed of paying. Had a conversation with Michael Easley, the president of Moody, and he said, you know, I've been actually keeping track of, of all of the things that I know that I would experience were I not to guard my own heart. He had a whole, he opened his Bible, two full pages of list of things that he would drop out of ministry, get fired, lose my heart, you know, lose my uh, uh, position, the disappointment that I would cause to people, uh, possibly lose my marriage. He just went on and on and on. And then he opens his Bible to the back and he says, I've been keeping a list of ministry colleagues like us that started well but did not finish their race well. Can I just, can I just plead with you? Listen, in this room, in this room right now are people who are going to be used by God to touch tens of thousands of lives. Your colleagues are depending on you to finish your race well. The church that you serve is depending on you to have, be a man of integrity, to be a woman of integrity, of faithfulness. The call upon your life is clear. You do not have to be on this picture, Graham, here with all of these pictures of people that did not finish well the race that they started. And I can tell you, next slide, that when you are too hungry, angry, tired, uh, lonely, tired, if you are too bored, anxious, or depressed, that can be the place where you can be vulnerable. Please guard your own heart. Because I can tell you that the pain of discipline is a lot easier than the pain of regret. You say, well, next slide, will God forgive? Yes, of course he will. He's going to forgive. He's willing to forgive. Psalm 51 is still there. Psalm 39 is still there. 1 John 1, 9 is still there. He, of course, he's going to forgive. But forgiveness does not guarantee that we're going to not experience the consequences of the choices that we make. Listen, beloved, let, can I have your eyeballs for just a minute? It's a lot better to build fences at the top of the hill and call for the ambulance at the bottom. Emerge has been a wonderful ambulance at the bottom of the hill for thousands and thousands of people. And I'm here today to say, you don't have to go to Stupidville. You don't have to experience those consequences. Guard your own heart above all else. All right, next slide. So here it is. I just remember that the enemy will build strongholds in your life in Next slide, oh, go back one slide, I think, where it says, remember, the enemy will build strongholds in your life in secrecy and enforce them by silence. And when you take the risk of breaking the silence, you begin to see the strongholds begin to fall away. That's why you need a close friend in your life. And the enemy will take you further than you intended to go, keep you longer than you intended to stay, but will always charge a price higher. Are you with me? Is this, is this heavy? I mean, this is ministry, right? This is reality. And yet, people are counting on you. All right, now, forgiveness, yes. 1 John 1, 9. Next slide, Psalm 51, of course. I'm not going to give you a break because we're going to come in for the home stretch here in the next few minutes. And that is to say, as a warrior shepherd, it is not just important that you define your place. That is the call. It's not just important that you refine your p 
case guarding your heart, it's also important that you keep the end game in mind, the long game in mind, so that you can finish your race. Believe me, this is not a sprint in ministry. It's much more like a marathon. Go to the next, there we go, right there. I am not in that picture if you're looking. I promise you, these are all the Kenyans and the Ethiopians and people that are running four and a half minute miles for 26 miles. But I will tell you that your body is the channel through which God works to get his work done. In fact, can I have your eyeballs for a minute? I think this is a profound statement. It sounds profound to me at least. And that is that your body is uniquely designed to give an expression of Christ through you that is not duplicated by anyone else ever. It can't be, because each one of you has a generational family of origin, your birth order, your personality, your temperament, the books you've read, the people you've known, the choices you've made, the experiences you've had, the you messages that became the I messages. In other words, you have your whole life history, and it is through your life history that God redeems and works through for the greater good of the kingdom of God. That's what this conference is all about. It's so that you can be equipped as leaders. Listen, being a leader is not an easy thing, as you have probably figured out by now. uh, Being a leader is something that is not easy, but it is incredibly important. God has always used people like you to get his work done. So what do you do? You take care of your body, you take care of your mind, you take care of your emotions, you take care of your relationships, and you take care of that deep inner life. So let's talk about this model. I call it the physical. So let's go to this first slide. That means that you take care of your body purity, that you take care of getting some rest and exercise and health care and healthy sex within marriage, et cetera, et cetera. And make sure you eat your oranges, make sure that you eat your vegetables, make sure that you're getting enough sleep. Some of you are not getting enough rest, may I say. Can I have a witness to that? <laughs> Especially if you've got little ones, you know. You're not getting enough sleep. Well, and also, you need to give yourself the permission to have something called holy leisure. What does that mean? That means holy golf, holy fishing, holy hunting, holy naps, holy sleep, holy sex, holy, you put that, I talked to one pastor, I said, look, get a boat and name it visitation. Where's our pastor today? Oh, he's out on visitation. That got a little amen for that. That was all right. So not only that, but you must take care of your mind. Make sure you're reading well, not just the word, of course, but inform yourself. What's going on in our culture? Read good books. Listen to good podcasts. Because as a person thinks in their heart, so they are. This whole list of books, you know, there's a lot of them that you can have. Next one is the emotional life. Deal with your emotions in healthy ways. Your emotions matter. Your emotions matter. Anger matters. You can deal with anger in good ways. Anger is energy. Well, not quite yet, but you kind of get the idea. Not, don't, that's not on the keto diet, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But, you know, that whole idea of, and then dealing, but do something that's creative. Can I have your eyeballs one more time up here? We're getting close to being done, trust me. Here's the issue. Do something that is fun, life-giving, creative. 
Some of you have put your creativity on hold, somehow thinking, it's not that holy to carve wood or to make duck calls or to, I mean, whatever it is that you paint or to do poetry or dance or writing and, you know, just things like our music or arts or something like that. I can tell you, next slide, this, this is a holiness about your, uh, where are we at? Yeah, go ne next slide and you can kind of get the impression. Uh, okay, hold on to that one. Make sure that you have some friends. I'm going to slow down for this for just a moment because I'm going to say that there is a power in having a pain partner. So let's just put that up so you can see all of them. Next, next two slides, right there. Hold on to that one. Most people that I have worked with over the years in ministry do not have a close friend. I will talk to ministers week after week after week that come from literally all over the world, and I say, who is your friend? And they start telling me how big their church is, how many people they have on staff, what are they doing for the community, how many campus... I look at them and I say, look, for right now, I don't care. I want to know who is your friend. Who is that pain partner? Who's that person that knows you? Who's that person that takes the time to ask a second and a third question? Who's that person in your life that can stay out of their own autobiography long enough to get into your world and see what you see and feel what you feel and accurately empathize with your life? Who is that person in your life? And oftentimes, it gets very quiet, the tears start coming down, and they say, I don't have anyone like that. I can tell you that having a friend, the, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Proverbs says that. And, and this, these are some of my buddies that I have up here. We just finished a big race last year as a 50K. Don't be all that impressed. We, we walked a lot of it. You know, they gave you 24 hours to do. You could probably crawl and do 50K. But we did it in 10 hours, and we took breaks and, you know, camped out a little bit. But we finished the line, but every one of you needs a friend. Do you hear me say that? Can I just say that again? So define your place, refine your pace, finish your race, and you're going to do it by getting healthy, guarding your heart, getting a friend. And this is where we kind of wrap up, building a healthy friendship. Proverbs 17, 17 says the friend is someone that's going to love you at all times, that sticks closer than a brother. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. Don't forsake them at all. John 15 says this, if you put this up, this is an amazing thing that Jesus calls his disciples. He says, I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. Develop a friendship with Jesus Christ. Tell him a good joke once in a while. I mean, don't say to Jesus, have you heard this one? No, he probably has. But talk with him, listen to him, have that relationship that is holy, yes, but friendly, where Jesus, Jesus is the one who says, I have called you my friends. And these friends, yes, they abandoned him, they left him, they forsook him. But I can tell you that, that Jesus valued friends. And then finally, this part of your life, I don't want to minimize that these are things that we call spiritual disciplines. Don't get all nervous about that term. 
These are just activities that you engage in that bring you into an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's it. And these things, don't let the disciplines become laws. It's training for righteousness. It's spiritual disciplines are not, listen, the spiritual disciplines, the purpose of disciplines is not the disciplines. The purpose of the disciplines is to bring you into a relationship with Jesus. And in that relationship, you're changed. All right, you with me? All right, we got to wrap up here. So developing a master schedule, huge in your life. You must develop a master schedule or a rhythm of life. I'd like to share with you just a little personal testimony. This is what Pastor John was saying to this morning. He said, you know, testimonies speak, and I have a testimony I'd like to share. It was 12 years ago that I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. I did not know what multiple myeloma was. The doctor said, well, it's a cancer of your blood plasma. It can go anywhere you have bones. And mine had eaten away at my spine and my hips and my L5 collapsed. I was off of my feet for over eight months. Massive doses of chemotherapy. That picture on the right is me getting my stem cells after a year. I mean, this is me with no hair and... I say, man, if I had a goatee, I could look really cool and millennial, you know? But that's kind of like, life was hard, and the next slide is me with about eight or ten different IVs. I didn't know if the Lord was done with me. I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm ready to go, but I would like to see how my grandkids turn out. And I still want to be able to speak at Synergy. I still want to do the work of the ministry. I still want to be used by you for your goodness and to minister to those that are in ministry. That's what my heart cry was, and God in his mercy brought me back. And I can tell you that I started running again and finally did finish my 12th marathon, but I want you to notice in that picture there's something very special. Not that you see a great runner. I'm really a plotter more than anything, but you'll notice that on either side of me there's somebody that's lifting up my hands. They ran with me the whole race, as we crossed the line, we stopped and we prayed and we bowed and we praised God. As we came in through that finish line, I, my friend that's on the left there, he, he was holding his camera up and he was taking this picture and he just, it, what I was saying is, praise God, praise God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I did not know that he was recording that. But I can tell you that as you finish that line and you get the little medal, you know how that goes, right? Next slide. But I will tell you that as you will work in the call of your life, and here you are, you are to define your place, you are to refine your pace, you are to finish your race, and you will do it by getting healthy, body, mind, emotions, relationships, your spirit, that you will do that by getting a friend, and you will do it by guarding your heart. Because at the end of your ministry life, you're going to cross a line again like Paul did. And he said that I have finished the race, that I have kept the faith, and there is now in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, that nail-scarred hand, will place on your head the crown of righteousness. And I think, my brothers and sisters, that we'll probably have that on our head for about five seconds. And we're going to take that crown right back off. And we're going to lay it at his feet. And we're going to say, you are worthy. 
you've called me, you've anointed me, you've gifted me, I praise you, I want to be used by you in the ministry that you've called me to, the ministry in this room to thousands and thousands of people, so that there will be a time where you say, yes, Lord, you've answered the call, go long, go strong, finish your race well. And I say that because people will remember how you lived, and they'll remember how you loved, and they'll remember how you leave. And I urge you, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, as a friend of yours and you're friends with each other and caring for each other, I pray, finish your race well. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. May I just pray with you, and then if you have comments or questions. Lord Jesus Christ, what a... <laughs> wow. I think of where I was 12 years ago, laying in a bed, couldn't walk, didn't know if I'd ever be even alive. I have the privilege, Lord, of being able to proclaim the truth of your word right now today. Oh, I thank you for these brothers and sisters. I thank you for their obedience to say, yes, Lord. They've answered the call. Lord, help them to redefine their place, to really renew that call. Help them to refine their pace, to guard their heart. Help them to keep the end view in mind, to finish the race. Realize the responsibility that you've given to us to finish our race well. I pray blessing. I pray healing. I pray grace. I pray strength. I pray ongoing anointing. I pray for great fellowship. I thank you, Lord, for this fellowship. I thank you for these brothers and sisters in Christ that we draw strength from. Oh God, I pray, I pray the blessing of God on their lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you. God bless you very, very much. Thank you. Okay, we have uh, exactly uh, five minutes <laughs> for uh, comments, questions, profound statements, better illustrations. Uh, what's, what's something, one thing that maybe God has said to you, but please stand up and say it real loud so we can benefit, but we're going to be done in, in five minutes, less than that. So quick comment somewhere around here. It couldn't have been that clear. I'm just going to repeat my main points. Define your place, refine your pace, finish your race. You do it by getting healthy, guarding your heart, get a friend. Amen? All right, you're dismissed. Thank you. Blessings to you.